0: But I want to share a word this morning. I did share it last week at Tableview, but Gabe came to me and asked me if I would share something of that this week. It's an encouragement for the season and what God has for us. And I realize that for many, 2020 has been a very challenging year. And for many of you here, it continues to be a very challenging year. But I want to give you this message of encouragement, direction, focus, and a word maybe that you can speak to yourself when the day seems tough and maybe it'll just be better to be a little bear in your bed for a day. Anyone know that little bear in the bed syndrome? It's especially Cape Town winters, it's a thing. I mean, I've always had kids while I've been in Cape Town, so it's never been a thing. But for some of you, it's a potential thing. Um, but say this with me, keep showing up. Keep showing up. Now you've got to sit with a little bit more. Come on, Milton. Keep showing, up. keep showing up. Yes, good. I like it. I like it. And um, in this year, where, I mean, I've heard stories of friends of mine, 200 CVs handed out, not a call back. And then you've got to press in again for 201 and 202. I know that. And it's a devastating reality, and it's just a very harsh reality. For some, it's, it's waking up, and every day, maybe marriage is a bit difficult. you just got to keep showing up. You've got to keep trusting God. I remember years ago, my parents getting liquidated, and my biggest challenge was my mother's optimism. I know that sounds weird, but she just didn't lose hope. She didn't get grumpy, not for one day. She didn't get angry. She didn't blame anyone. She didn't have a rant. There was nothing. I was like, come on. <laughs> like, you've got to get a little bit frustrated. There's a dude coming to us. Tomorrow he's going to take everything. You've got to get a little bit grumpy. But you know what I saw? And I only realized it afterwards. And the reason why she could hold that line, the reason why she could carry on, the reason why she got up every day is because every morning at half past five, she kept showing up to read her Bible and be in the presence of her God. Every day. And she'd done that every day. And she's read her one-year Bible probably like 25 times now. And every morning she gets up and spends time. And every morning, regardless of the high times of living in big homes or or the low times of living in in borrowed homes because your home got taken by a sheriff of a court, she kept showing up. And I want to give you the courage to keep showing up. And this is not an encouragement to come to church. I got some messages from from friends who are watching online. They're like, oh, so we should show up at church. No, no, that's not the message. The message is getting before your God, taking a hold of Him, and showing up before Him regardless of whether things are great or things are tough. And, and I look, I remember I told a story. I was a very small kid at school, like really small. I'm still not a monster. Thank you. I know that. I, I do. I, I prayed for six foot for many years. Now I just have to get bigger shoes. But it's... Um, but I was really tiny at school, and maybe some of you had that challenge, but in my school, which was a rugby school, and I loved rugby, I would come to rugby trials under 13, and then the coach would do the worst thing. For me, it's like, ask me to pass something, ask me to kick, ask me to do something, but then they go, line up, shortest, to tallest. I'm like, oh, there that year goes. You make your way down out of 220 kids, and the guy next to you, he's the only really small man in the year. I don't know. There's some politically correct words you can use in court years, But Paul Sissi was very small and he's still very small. And I was the next smallest. And, and, and that wasn't the most encouraging thing every year because you realize it's going to be another tough year. And under 13 is the same, under 14 is the same, under 15 is the same, under 16. I grew 10 inches in the first seven months after school. So school was tough. If you enjoyed playing rugby at a big rugby school, but I had this coach who saw something in me, and he kept saying it to me, he kept saying, keep showing up, just just keep showing up, keep coming to trials, keep every week giving your best, doesn't matter what team you're in, doesn't matter when, the, you know those, I don't know what school you're at, but in my school, they put all the teams on the board, you're like, maybe this week is going to be different, you come, ah, why did I even show up this time? <laughs> And I want to speak that word of encouragement. I think of David and his brokenness and his sin and then him stepping back into what God called him to be, which was king. And he had to keep showing up, even though he'd known what had gone wrong. I think of, of some of the challenges and the largest challenges facing all the oppression and the prophets of Baal. He's like, ah, do I have to again be God's guy? I just don't want to show up. God, can you send someone else? Anyone ever said that? Can you just send someone else? Thanks, Jeff. (laughs) I actually wasn't asking you to put your hand up. It's a rhetorical question. But it's fine. But thank you. Thank you. But I think of of some of the challenges, like um, Peter's denial of Christ. Sure, he knew Jesus forgave him. Sure, he saw the bigger picture. But he still had to come, keep showing up afterwards. How's it? yeah, that was me. And he's sitting, and Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God. But today, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you from a lady who honestly... I, I, has a, my eyes have been open to the story, to her story. A lady who would have taken everything just to show up. The Bible calls her the woman with the issue of blood. She was known by her issue, not by her name, not by the gifts on her life, not by the songs she could write, not by anything other than her issue. Maybe right now, and what's happened in 2020, you've become known by your issue. Your issue financially, your issue relationally. But she kept showing up. It says this in Luke chapter 8. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and followed Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her daughter, Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And Jesus, the Spirit of God, Father, I pray this morning. Show us something from this story in your word. Show us your heart, your character. Show us the faith and the courage of this lady. For different people, you'll be doing different things in this room this morning. But I pray, Spirit of God, reveal to us Jesus. Show us Jesus this morning. And put something of the desperation and hunger inside of every one of us for more of you. We thank you, King. Amen. You know the challenge is often, like I said, she became known as the woman with the issue of blood. Our challenges become our surrogate identity. We, We start getting sympathy from men and women. So it starts becoming the story and the narrative that gets often told. And we become better and better and better at telling that narrative. Imagine how many times she would have had to tell her story. Because in those days, having an issue of blood, in those days, the, the legal requirements for a lady would have been to separate yourself from community for seven days at that time of the month. But for 12 years, this lady has been hemorrhaging. For 12 years, there has been this issue of blood in her life. It would become a story she would have had to rethink. How do I tell it this time? I'm meeting some new people and I can't actually be in a crowd. I can't actually be in their process. I've got to tell a new story. I've got to tell it a new way. How many times would she have to practice that narrative? And yet Jesus comes to town. What does she do? Well, she shouldn't be in the environment. She shouldn't be there Legally. She, she really should be out on her own, waiting and trusting. She spent all her resources with healers and, and doctors and all the processes. She could spend all her money, all her hope was gone. What did she do at that time? Well, first of all, it says this, and a woman who was there. Just say she was there. She just showed up. She just showed up. And like my mother, who I watched navigate challenge and trial, just keep showing up at Hoppers 5 in the morning. And I wish, I wish I was that good at that practice. And I'm wanting to be better as I navigate those things. But I've realized the benefits and the miracles that can happen where we just keep showing up. 12 years. You know what would have been behind the scenes? Many years ago, I was 31 years old, and I kept on having issues with my tonsils. Weird story, but stick with me. We're going to talk about my tonsils for a moment. Everyone comfortable? Say it. No, don't say it. But, uh, but I was eventually done with having tonsils issues. I would travel, and I was actually, I was more tired of being ripped off by Rory Dyer for having tonsil issues than the actual tonsil issues. So I thought, let me go get rid of the tonsils. Then he no longer can give me an issue about my tonsils. So I went to an ENT specialist said, take these things out. He said, they are fraught, but you are 31, and there's a death rate, so I'm not taking that. I'm like, what are you talking about, little guy? Just take them out. So I went to another doctor. And he said, okay, let's take them out. I'm like, cool, I like this guy. So I should have listened. I went and had my tonsils out. Um, Two days later, I'm feeling like a rock star. So I decided, no, you know what? all this pain. People talk about pain. I'm going to a funeral. So I went to a funeral of a friend who would passed away because I wanted to be there. Until we started singing worship and I, I coughed. And I realized something wasn't right. So I made the elegant exit. You know that. I'm dying, but act casual just, you swagger out of the room, like. But you're actually drowning, because blood is pouring from your arteries at the back of your throat. So I uh, get to the bathroom, without giving you details, it's a mess, it's chaos. They call my wife, she's driving me to hospital, they're pulling people out of surgery to put me in. It was just this crazy, crazy situation. I'm going, I should have listened, I should have listened, while blood poured out of my mouth. But all that happened, they got me right, I got back on my feet, but the problem is all the blood I'd lost, they pumped me full of fresh frozen plasma, seven or eight pints of fresh frozen plasma, which if you don't know what that is, it's not a TV, it's not the thing that's in a TV, it's, it's a replacement for blood, but it has no, none of the good stuff in blood. So basically it keeps you running, but there's no juice in it. So I lay on a couch with something called anemia for four weeks. Now, if you know me, I've got energy for days. I don't sit on a couch, let alone for four weeks. I didn't get off for four weeks as I lay there completely white without any energy for anything. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I couldn't get off the couch. I didn't want to walk upstairs to the bathroom. I just lay on a couch completely anemic. This lady, after 12 years, the commentator said would have struggled daily with anemia every day she would have fought the lack of resources in her energy. She would have fought the feeling of constantly feeling tired, constantly feeling like I just need to lie in a room and be a little bare because right now, I don't have the energy for anything. And for the last 12 years, I've spent all my energy going to doctors, going to people who can help, trying people saying, please help me. And the people say, stay away from us, you're unclean. Stay out there, keep your distance, you're unclean. And yet... Jesus comes to town. What does she do? She shows up. Now, I don't know about you, but but I look at this and I think, what is faith? You know what the Bible doesn't say anywhere in the scripture? Jesus says your faith has healed you. What he doesn't say is your faith for healing has healed you. He just recognizes her faith. And I think sometimes the faith is in the showing up. Because we like to write the script, but we aren't the script writers. He's the script writer and he wants faith. And I know for some of you, and I know some of your stories, sometimes showing up requires the most faith. Because you know what would have happened? Everyone around her would have known her story. Just to show up would have taken the faith to overcome that one thing. And yet she was fighting so many different things. And 2020 pandemic, maybe you're feeling anemic. Maybe you've been hemorrhaging financial dreams, plans. You were going to study. You were going to take over the world. You were going to do your house. You were going to send your kids to a school. You were going to, maybe you've just been hemorrhaging. Your business you've built for 15 years, hemorrhaging. And you can't do anything about it and no one can help. No financial advisor, no pastor, no, no one. Well, all I can say to you is keep showing up before Jesus. When Jesus comes near, keep showing up. I want to tell you he's nearer than you think or know. Why? Because when we show up, he loves to show up as the miracle worker, the wonder-working God. He just loves to do that, and he gets all the glory. You see, she could have had all the excuses. Why not to show up? I've been sick for 12 years. It's just my story. Or it's against the rules. I shouldn't be there. Or any, everything's impossible. They've told me. We've tried everything possible, and nothing works. What about things like self-awareness and embarrassment? Oh, there's the woman with the issue. We struggle to preach about it at church sometimes because the nature of the story. And that was her life. Every relationship had that story, that narrative in it. And church to just pitch up, just to show up. And sometimes the enemy comes in and he's going to remind you of your issue, your story. And you know what you're going to want to do? You're going to want to hide And it's going to take the greatest courage just to show up. And I want to tell us, I want to remind us, and I keep saying this line because I want you to say it in your conversations. A church without the broken is a broken church. So I want to ask you to keep showing up if you're broken. I want to ask you to keep showing up if you're broken. I want to ask you, even if people know of your brokenness, that's the awkward thing in community. Oh, And that sometimes happens. And I'm telling you, God wants to use the community of His church to bring healing. Not to bring more self-awareness. I want to be more aware of Jesus. Anemic, no powerful life, show up. Feeling feeling broken and and nothing can happen, show up. Feeling like the back of the queue and someone else should get Jairus' daughter should get the healing. No, just show up. Secondly, reach out. And this point will be a bit quicker. It goes like this, verse 44. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. She didn't just show up. She reached out. You know what she could have said? She could have said, well, he's God, isn't he? I'm just going to stand here. He should know I'm here and why I'm here. And he knows about my issue if he's God. How many people do that at church? Good, right? It's like, well, I'm just going to, I'll show up. But I'm not going to reach out. We, we get our little T-Rex praise hands on. <laughs> no, he says, reach out. Yeah, reach out. Reach out to God in desperation. Cry out to God. And she comes through and she pushes through the crowd. And let me just say, explain to you, sometimes there's a crowd around Jesus. Sometimes the church can be a crowd around Jesus that intimidates those who are trying to get to Him. We have to understand that our role as the crowd is to make a way for those who are desperate, those who need to touch, those who need to reach. And and, and, and I'm telling you, we have to make sure we keep our mindset understanding that when we gather, and we, as we gather, the reasons we gather, so the desperate, the broken, and the 12-year hemorrhaging lady can touch the cloak of Jesus. 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 That's why we gather. It's not for our comfort. It's not for our story. It's for his story that he wants to write. And sometimes we've got to reach out seemingly. If we read many scriptures in the Bible before he reaches in to heal. That's what faith looks like. And I love the David. I love David. I love reading about his life. But David's in a cave with 400 dudes. And the Bible describes him as this. Imagine this for like a I'm gonna give you an army. They're all disgruntled, discontented, and in debt. All of them. Awesome. I'm the king of these guys. Get me out of here. And where they're living? Not in the Ritz, In a cave, hiding from Saul. And this is David's response to that situation. And 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 if you want to know if you can be honest with God, just listen to King David. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? Anyone started a letter that dramatic? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow on my heart? How long will my empty triumph, my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fail. Anyone felt like that ever? Maybe the debtors have been calling. Maybe the bulls have been packing up. But verse 5, but I trust in your unfailing love, faithful you are. My heart rejoices in your salvation, eternity secure. I will sing of the Lord's praise, sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. And although I don't feel like he's been good to me today and I don't feel like, I know that salvation is my story. I know that Jesus is my king. He has been good to me. And when I declare that and when I speak and when I speak a but into my story, faith begins to rise. And you know what I'm doing? I'm reaching out. And then a simple point, number three, it says this and Jesus carries on. I love this story. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, "Master, they were like, not me. Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. There's just a crowd." But Jesus said, "Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me." Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told me why she had touched. She told why she had touched him, and how she had been instantly healed. Imagine. Her now, after 12 years of being, there's the woman with the issue of blood, going, I have to tell you why I touched him. Why? I just love that line. Because she realized she could not go unnoticed. By I don't think the crowd noticed her. I think for 12 years, she'd mastered the art of fading into a crowd that no one noticed her. I think to survive, she'd learned how to never be noticed. I think people do that in life, too. It's like, I would rather people don't notice me because then they're going to see my issues. So I'm going to shrink back and become smaller and smaller and smaller. And yet the essence of salvation is spaciousness. God wants to bring you out of the caves into spaciousness. He wants you to leave the brokenness and the issues behind to keep stepping into more and more. Why? So that he gets all the glory. And he wants you to shine like a city on a hill. Why? So that he gets all the glory. And he doesn't want a woman with the issue of blood to keep standing at the back. He wants you to stand up and say, I should be ashamed, but I touched the cloak of Jesus. And because I touched the cloak of Jesus, I found healing. But, but I want to tell you something about Jesus. The crowds are pushing in. It's just, they're everywhere. And he says, someone touched me. Someone Maybe you've been around the church a while and you think it's about a crowd gathering on a Sunday. Maybe you think if you're just in the crowd, that's good enough. Maybe Jesus knows the crowd. He gets, he gets the list from the angels that were present. It's like they were there, tick, tick, tick. Ah, oh, the crowd. No, but Jesus says, someone touched me. And I just want to remind us Today of the one of God. I, I think of, and, and I love, even as I look at it, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's by chance that this is a lady reaching out and the story is highlighted. Jairus's daughter, 12 years old. All we know is at 12 years old, she's dying. Jesus goes to her house. What about the, the widow of Nain? It's Jesus is, is on his way and, and, and there's this whole challenge going on and her daughter, she's grieving the death of her daughter and Jesus sees the pain in her and he says, I'm gonna step into that situation. Someone is grieving. What about the woman? She's bent over and Jesus is teaching in the synagogue and he sees her. He just stops everything. He sees her bent over, whatever the reasons, and he says, no, I want you to stand up straight. Someone. Needs my touch. And the challenge of this difficult season, maybe, is you're feeling unnoticed. Maybe even in church community, it's what happens, the crowd, and and no one notices me. That person didn't say hello to me. It happens. We all have insecure moments. We all have moments of feeling unnoticed. But then there has to be that moment in your life where you lean back and you go, I cannot go unnoticed anymore. And I'm not unnoticed. I'm someone, and my King sees the some ones. And the Gospel of Jesus Christ is about the some ones. And He plants churches for the some ones. And He keeps people moving forward for the some ones. And when my life is fixed on that someone story, I realize I am someone who He died for. I'm someone he poured his blood out for. I'm someone that although I'm hemorrhaging in this life, my eternity is secure in the blood that he poured out on that cross. And when that gets so deep down inside of me, nothing unsettles me. I'll keep reaching out. I'll keep pushing through the crowd. I don't care what man says. I don't care. And I don't just want age to be the reason. I don't care anymore. I want my confidence in who my king is to be the reason. I don't care anymore. And I'm going to tell the world my story. And I'm going to reveal my brokenness on this side of eternity. Why? Because my eternity is secure forever in Jesus. And when I get that, I'm just going to keep showing up. And whether there's money in the bank or there's not, I'm going to keep showing up. First, before my God. And second, before a watching world looking for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Why? Because he noticed me in a crowd, when I was 14 years old, he noticed me, I remember going to church, and I had this big preacher dude, big shoulders, like this, walking around, doing this, Rory Dyer, reading people's mail, prophets, I'm like, I don't want that guy to read my mail, because my 13, 14-year-old mind just don't need to be a pastor right now, in my mind, so I used to avoid him, I like, I want to go unnoticed, and, oh, there's another leader. So you're flipping churches like a running the gauntlet. You're like, don't want to talk to that guy because what if he, I mean, that's a prophet. Dude. You don't want to go near them. And you're running around. You're like, I just don't want to be noticed. Like eventually, like, someone's going to swat you like a mozzie because you've got to sit still. <laughs> See, the enemy does that. The Bible says I need to be seated. I've got to sit. Why? Because God wants to notice. And he has noticed.